take your Bibles, please, and turn, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and there's going to be several other passages of scriptures you can see on the screen as we're going to be thinking about today, the crown of victory. If you ever watch the highlights for a football game on ESPN, you hear a man named Chris Berman, and uh, he kind of started out when ESPN got started. And as he does the play-by-play -play on the football game, if it looks like someone is going to make a touchdown, he shouts, he could go all the way. It's exciting to watch him and hear him. What about you? Can you go all the way? In life, in your spiritual life, can you go all the way? In other words, can you be a winner in life? There are several different passages of Scripture in the Bible that talk about you know, life as a competition. And especially life as a, you know, the spiritual life as a competition. And so there are several different passages that have something to do with living a life in such a way that we ultimately win the victory. And they refer to the prize, they refer to the victory as a crown. So we're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture today that have the word crown in them, meaning, you know, the prize, the victory. You know, a crown can mean, you know, various things. It can mean victory, it can mean honor, it can mean accomplishment, it can mean reward. You know, these different things. And so notice these things as we look at these passages of Scripture. Notice the use of the word crown and how it's used and how it's, you know, referring to the victory, but more important, what have you got to do to get that victory, to win that crown, to be a winner in life? First passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Most of you know that I was in Newberry as a pastor for a long time. One of the things that goes on in Newberry is horseshoe competition. And there's a, there's a circuit of horseshoe competitions. And, and it goes throughout the nation. One of them's held in Newberry. And those people are serious about horseshoes. Well, all, they last all weekend, so on Sunday morning, different pastors in town have the opportunity to maybe bring a devotion to those of those who want to come. And they had the opportunity to do that several years ago. And uh, the, you know, I started out by saying, do you people want to have a good time? And they were shaking their heads, yeah. I said, do you want to win? I said, yeah. They said, yeah, shook their head, yes. And uh, I said, do you want to have a good time and it doesn't matter where you win or not? And they shook their heads, no. <laughs> they wanted to win. Now, let me tell you how good they were. They'd had the, the championship pitch off, I guess you might call it, the night before for the women. The woman that won had to win two matches Every shoe she threw was a ringer. They were good. 
they desired to win. You've got to have a desire to win. You can't just be playing around in life. You've got to be able to picture the goal. They knew what the goal was. They knew that they wanted to win and they saw themselves winning, imagined themselves winning, they could picture the goal. What are your goals in life? Some of you have achieved some of your goals educationally. Some of you got some more to go. What are your goals educationally? What, what are your goals professionally? What are your goals with your marriage and family? What are your spiritual goals? You know, if we don't have goals, then we're running around aimlessly, going from first one thing to another. We need to have goals. What are your goals in life? And something else you've got to do is put aside the distractions. There was a good commercial on TV several years ago, and it was about, you know, looking ahead, planning ahead financially, setting a goal and being able to attain it. And it had a woman walking down, you know, in front of a store windows, and she stopped and she was looking at a pair of shoes. Could have sworn it was my wife. But, uh, <laughs> but she stopped and thought a few minutes and said, oh, yeah, we're saving for a down payment on a house. So she let the shoes go and walked on. Distractions keep us from attaining our goals. There are so many things to grab our interest in our day-to-day -day lives, in our spiritual lives, that many times we get distracted from the goals that we know we should be given primary place in our lives and working toward. Watch out for the distractions. Then you've got to have a strong commitment to obtain your goals. You've got to make some plans. How are you going to get to where you want to be? You take a trip, you plan your route. If you're going after some goals in life, you've got to plan your route. You've got to plan. You've got to get some training, perhaps, to be able to do what you want to do in life. You've got to compete to win. You can't just say, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, we'll see. No. Look at the successful people in just about any field of endeavor, and they were willing to compete to win. Paul said, I don't fight like a man beating the air. I'm not just shadow boxing. This is real. Because it's real, I'm going after it like it's real. And then you've got to discipline yourself. You've got to discipline yourself in several areas. You've got to take care of your body. If you're a believer, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've got to feed it right. You've got to take good care of it. You've got to exercise it. You've got to discipline yourself with your mind. You know, you've got to feed your mind the right things. You know, there are so many things that can distract us, we put them in our mind, they're just kind of like empty calories. They'll never do us any good. Now, just like we eat some snack foods, we're going to have some things that are just fun. But if that's our total diet, then we're not feeding our minds right. We've got to exercise our minds, keep them active, keep them involved, keep them moving forward. Remember, Paul said, straining forward to what lies ahead. He's going somewhere and he wants to get there. And then you've got to discipline yourself spiritually. What do you feed yourself spiritually? Do you feed on the Word of God every day? How much energy would you have physically if you only ate two days a week? 
Sometimes we wonder why we don't have more spiritual energy. We don't feed ourselves the Word of God every day. And we begin to become spiritually malnourished. We need to feed ourselves the Word of God every day. Spend time with God in prayer every day. We've got to build ourselves up spiritually. Then, we need to value our relationships with others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, again with verse 19, we read this. Paul said, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when He comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. In other words, other people are to have a place of importance in our lives. Our relationship with others makes a tremendous difference. People are what are ultimately important. People are what are ultimately important. We're made in the image of God. Jesus died for us. People are important at God's side and should be at our side. We need, we, we, we need people in our lives because that's where our real meaning comes from. It's in those relationships that we engage in the things that really matter. And whether it's family members, whether it's friends, co-workers, church family, we gain a great deal of the satisfaction we have in life in our relationship with other people. So we're to invest in people. You know, we can invest in the stock market. You can invest in companies. You can you know, invest in you know, different enterprises. You expect some of it to take root and you know, really pay off, and you know some of it won't. Sometimes we invest in people, then pay off too much. Other times we invest, bet it was worth every effort we put into it to see them grow and develop, become what they need to become. Invest in people. Forgive. You're going to have to. None of us are perfect. Encourage. People need encouragement. Be faithful to you, those you're in relationship with, whether it's your mate, whether it's your children, whether it's co-workers, whether it's your fellow church members. Be faithful. Relationships. Because people are important. People what's going to last. Look around. You look at the instruments, the pews, chandeliers, the windows. Think outside those windows. Think of the parking lot. Think of the automobiles. Think of the houses around the church. Think of, think of the most beautiful sights you've ever seen in nature. None of those are going to last. Look around. Look up and down the pew. Look behind you and in front of you. Look at the people. We are what's going to last beyond this world. One day this world will be gone and we go on. People are what's going to last. What should be one of our goals? One of our goals, maybe our top goal, ought to be to make sure we get to heaven and that we take as many people with us as we can. Athletic team wins a competition. They celebrate with one another. Can you imagine the victory celebration we're going to have in heaven? 
When we get there, we find someone we've brought along with us or we meet someone who was influential in getting us there, someone we've helped, someone we've encouraged, someone comes up to us and says, thank you, and we go to others and say thank you to them. Man, what a celebration it's going to be. Have you ever thought about it? Picture what's going to be so that you can strive toward what lies ahead. And a lot of our striving has to do with our relationship with others and making them be what they need to be. And then we've got to persevere. Paul came down toward the end of his life. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul said that he had fought a good fight. He didn't play around. He wasn't shadowboxing. He fought a good fight. He ran a good race. He wasn't running aimlessly. He was striving toward the finish line. He did what he needed to do to get to the place he wanted to be. He set a good example for us. He persevered in doing what he needed to do. He said, I've kept the faith. Ever thought of how hard that was for Paul? He kept the faith. Man, he had to meet obstacles. He had to overcome, you know, adversities. He had to, you know, compete with all of the other different religious ideas that were current in his time. He underwent persecution. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. It wasn't easy for him to keep the faith. He kept the faith. He kept the faith. He stuck with it. He persevered. We need to persevere. One of the best speeches probably ever delivered was delivered by Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was prime minister of Great Britain during World War II. His country was being mobbed continually and mercilessly by the Nazis, and he kind of held that nation together when they were just holding on by a thread by his resolve and by his speeches. He was a outstandingly strong leader that that country really needed at that time. Several years after the war, he had the opportunity to speak at a preparatory school for boys. And he gave up and gave a speech. And I'm going to share his whole speech with you. He said, young gentlemen, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never, 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 never. And he sat down. As you run the race of life, you're going to run into difficulties. You're going to run into challenges. You're going to run into obstacles. You're going to run into obstinate people. There's going to be some rough times in your relationships. There's going to be some rough times in your education if you're going for more education. There's going to be some rough times in your professional life. And I can guarantee you if you're seeking to live for the Lord Jesus, there are going to be some rough times in your spiritual life. Never give up. Don't back down. Don't be intimidated off the playing field. 
Stick it out. Persevere. God calls us to persevere. We used to sing an old hymn. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail the stormy seas? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the strain, supported by your word. Persevere. Don't give up. Worship God. Revelation chapter 4. We get a glimpse of heaven. Early verses of that chapter, it talks about the throne of God and the majesty and the glory that's around that throne. We also see about the four living creatures different from anything we see on this earth, praising God. And we see the 24 elders seated around that throne. And notice what happens, beginning with verse 9 there in chapter 4. When the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. They laid their thrones before the throne of they laid their crowns before the throne of God. What were they doing? They were worshiping God. They were letting God be God. Didn't always happen. Satan didn't want God to be God. He wanted God's place. Why he was kicked out of heaven. When he came to tempt Adam and Eve, what was he doing? He was tempting them to decide for themselves instead of letting God be God. And it's still going on. We think we can run our lives better than God. We think we have more wisdom for our particular situation than God has. We don't want to let God be God. Have you ever stopped to think how much better our world would be if we let God be God? How much better would our nation be if we would just let God be God? How much better would your life be if you would just let God be God? They put their crowns before the throne of God. They were willing to let God be God. They worshiped God. And we need to worship God. We need to worship Him publicly, together. We need to worship Him in private, day by day. We need that contact with the Word of God. We need the conversation with God Himself every day. We need to worship. Worship keeps us on the right track. Keeps us on the right track morally. Our nation's a cesspool anymore. You know what a cesspool is? It's a pond of sewage. And our morals today are nothing but a pond of sewage. We need 
continual immersion in the cleansing Word of God so that we do what's right instead of doing what's wrong. We do what's holy and pure instead of what's debased and makes us dirty, filthy. Keeps us on the right track when we worship. Keeps us on the right track morally. It keeps us on the right track spiritually. My goodness, we've surrounded today with all kinds of crazy spiritual ideas, all kinds of isms, all kinds of other religions, all kinds of off-the-wall things that people want us to give our full allegiance to. Worship God. He's the one we need to worship. He's the one that will keep us on the right track. When you worship, it keeps your personal relationship with God strong. Keeps it strong. Keeps it there where it's supposed to be. As valuable as our relationships are to one another, none of them compares to the relationship we have with God now and forever. We need worship to keep that personal relationship strong. We need worship to help us be reminded that we've got to depend on Him. We have crises that come into our life. We have to depend on Him. We have challenges that come into our life. We have to depend on Him. We have temptations that come our way. We have to depend on Him. And worship reminds us that we can depend on Him. He's a good God. Gives us the opportunity to recommit ourselves to the Lord. When we come into God's house and worship Him, when we come before His presence in in our private worship, we can recommit and say, Lord, I do want to follow You. I do want to serve you. I want my life to count for you. And it gives us the opportunity to recommit. So if you want victory in life, if you want to have a a life that counts for eternity, that's a winning life, then desire to win. Not just play around entertaining yourself all the time. Value your relationships. They're important because people are what's going to last. Persevere. Don't back down. Worship God. Remember, we are after the crown that will last forever. When Paul wrote there to Corinthians about, you know, the runners competing for a crown, the the Isthmian Games, which were second only to the Olympic Games in ancient Greece, were, you know, held in Corinth. So the people there knew what he was talking about. They won a crown. It was a laurel wreath. That was the crown they were competing for. It started wilting before the day was over. We're looking for a crown that will last forever. It's going to last forever. It's going to last forever. Not just for a little while. Make sure you're going to get the crown of life. Make sure you have the crown of life. James wrote something about that. He said, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God promises us a crown of life. A crown of life. Jesus said, What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? You need to have the crown of life so that you can have eternal life in the presence of God, the presence of other believers, the presence of heaven. We're striving for a crown of life. 
but remember one other thing so that you could be successful, so that you can win in life, so that you can have the crown of life. Jesus had to wear a crown of thorns. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wore a crown of thorns so that we could have the crown of life. Isn't he an amazing Savior? Willing to do that for us. Today, will you recommit yourself to following the one who wore a crown of life, crown of thorns for you? Maybe today you may need to come and receive the crown of life that he wants to give to you, and you can have it because Jesus wore a crown of thorns and went to the cross. He opened the way for you. Won't you come and receive that crown of life? Start living in a way that really matters? Maybe today you want to come and put your membership here in this church because you want to do the will of God and that's what he's leading you to do. An invitation to him this morning is 532. Are you ready to move forward those crowns that count for something and you'll press on the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus.